لَيْسَ عَلَى الْأَعْمَى حَرَجٌ لَيْسَ There is not عَلَى upon الْأَعْمَى The blind person حَرَجٌ Any sin Any constraint حَرَج is basically tightness Alright It's constriction of a place And حَرَج is understood in different ways Sometimes it's used for sin Because when a person has made a mistake Then he feels constricted in his heart حَرَج is not just sin But it also applies to A restriction that is imposed on someone Because of which they feel uncomfortable They feel awkward So on the blind person There should not be any constraint Any difficulty made for them They should not be made to feel uncomfortable وَلَا أَنْنُورْ عَلَى الْأَعْرَجِ حَرَجْ There should be no haraj for the a'raj either Who is the a'raj? A'raj is from Ayn Rajim An a'raj is a person who is not able to walk properly So he limps as he walks So two types of people are mentioned over here and these two, they are generally categorized as are those people with some disability. But this doesn't mean that other disabilities, they are not included in this. Just two examples are mentioned over here. So it's talking about people with some disability. There should be no restriction, no awkwardness for them. وَلَا أَنْنُوَ عَلَى الْمَرِيضِ حَرَجْ On the sick person also, there should be no haraj. وَلَا أَنْنُورْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ Nor should there be any haraj for you. For what? On that, تَأْكُلُوا You eat مِن بُيُوتِكُمْ From your houses. أَوْ or بُيُوتِ آبَائِكُمْ The houses of your fathers. Aba is a plural of ab. This includes father as well as grandfather. You can eat from your house. You can eat from your father's house. أَوْ بُيُوتِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ Or the houses of your mothers. Plural of um. You can eat from your mother's house. Now notice how father's house is mentioned separately, mother's house is mentioned separately, because in some situations this could be the case. Right? Where the two are separated. So you can eat from your house, your parents' house, mother's house, father's house, أَوْ بُيُوتِ إِخْوَانِكُمْ Or from the houses of your brothers, plural of أَخْ. أَوْ بُيُوتِ أَخَوَاتِكُمْ Or from the houses of your sisters, plural of Plural of أُخْت, أُخْت the sister. أَوْ بُيُوتِ أَعْمَامِكُمْ Or the houses of your paternal uncles, plural of عَمْ. أَوْ بُيُوتِ عَمَّاتِكُمْ Or the houses of your paternal aunts, plural of عَمَّة, paternal aunt, father, sister. أَوْ بُيُوتِ أَخْوَالِكُمْ Or the houses of your maternal uncles, plural of خَال. أَوْ بُيُوتِ خَالَاتِكُمْ Or the houses of your maternal aunts, plural of خَالَة. So all of these people, all of these relatives, there is no harm if you eat from their houses. There should be no constraint for you, nor for a blind person or any person with some disability or for a person who is sick. No, you can sit together, you can eat. There is no harm. أو or ما that which malaktum you own مفاتحه its keys plural of miftah plural of miftah. What is miftah? Key, meaning those houses whose keys you have. What does it mean by this? Your own house? Okay, but buyutikum was mentioned earlier. Is there any other house whose key you have? Sometimes you're given the keys temporarily. Right? Like for example, has it never happened with you? Nobody's given keys of their house to you? Go ahead. Okay, your sister has a key to your house. Okay, what else? Yes? Okay, so for example, neighbors. 
Right? They're in good terms, they trust each other, and they have given keys to each other's houses. Why? Because if one goes for the weekend somewhere, and something happens at home, or something needs to be done, then inshallah the neighbor has the key. Right? So if somebody has trusted you so much that they have given you the key to their house, or for example a worker, right? That you've been hired to do something at somebody's house, and they've given you the key, that okay, you can come and go as you will, bring in the food or whatever you have to do, and then you can go. But they've trusted you and they've given you the key. So when you open that house and you go inside, and let's say there is some snack at a table, Alright? Can you eat a little bit from it? There's no harm. But it doesn't mean that you open up the pantry and you're like, okay, what kind of rice do they have? They have quinoa, okay, they have brown rice. Okay, let me take this, let me take this, let me take this and fill up the grocery bag and go. Oh, I have the key to the house so I can eat from here. You can eat, not do groceries. Alright? So, the houses whose keys that you have. Aw or sadiqikum. Sadiq is who? A good friend. Alright? So you go to your friend's house... And you should not feel awkward to eat there. You should not feel awkward to eat there. This takalluf shouldn't be there. You see what is takalluf? What is takalluf? It's pretense. Right? That you're pretending to be very modest and you want to eat the food that's on the table. There's no need to pretend like that. So you can eat from the house of your friend also. Now, what is this ayah telling us over here? You see the rule of isti'dhan. What does that teach us? Respect other people's privacy. Right? But privacy, does that mean that you never interact with each other? That you hardly get together? Is that what it means? No. Because sometimes what we do is we go to the house and we close the door. All the time the door is closed. That's not correct. What did Allah say? Tawahafoon, right? You should be going about, seeing one another. Not that as soon as you go home, door is closed, door is closed. No access. Right? Or, for example, a person becomes so hesitant because of this rule of istidhan that they don't even go to their mother's house. They don't even go to their son's house. They don't even go to their sister's house or their brother's house. No. Istidhan, that rule does not mean you become antisocial and you cut off from each other. This Awkwardness is being removed that you should eat in each other's houses. There is no sin in that and there should be no awkwardness. Socialize with each other, eat together and also include all people regardless of their disabilities. So for example, if there is a relative who happens to be blind or who happens to have some other kind of disability or who happens to be sick, then doesn't mean we don't visit them, they don't visit us, we don't eat together. No. Because... In some cultures or in some places, unfortunately, this is quite common. That if a person is sick, don't even go near them. Don't even go near them. Don't even go visit their house. What does Allah tell us in this ayah? There is no harm if you sit and eat with a sick person also. Now of course, there's different types of sicknesses, right? But if it's just an ordinary sickness, which is not contagious, there is no harm, then go sit with them and eat with them. You know, sometimes we don't go visit a sick person even though they may be our relatives saying that, oh, when I go, I'll disturb them. Hmm? But the thing is that they need company. They need somebody to come and sit with them and talk to them. But sometimes this is also because we have, you know, created such barriers between ourselves and other people that people feel awkward even coming near us. They feel awkward coming near us. 
Whereas we see that in our deen, what have we been taught? That we should be social, we should meet one another, we should sit with one another. Not that all the time, my space, your space, my house, your house. I don't know you, you don't know me. Mind your business, I mind my business. Respect my privacy, I respect your privacy. And therefore we never see each other. We never sit with one another, we never eat with one another. No. Allah says, there should be no haraj. You should sit with one another. We see that many times, people with disabilities are excluded from social gatherings. Right? Or that entire family is left out. Why? Because they say, oh it's going to be awkward for them, it's going to be awkward for everybody else. And sometimes people with disabilities, even they choose not to come. Why? Because they have been made to feel so awkward that they don't feel good. They feel embarrassed coming in front of other people. They feel embarrassed. That because they have a disability, other people will feel awkward. No, they don't need to feel awkward. I don't know if you have seen that video clip about that comedian who stutters on that show. What show is it? America's Got Talent. Just YouTube it. Okay? But only watch that clip, please. And don't start watching other clips. Okay? Because there could be a lot of haram material in that. I just saw that yesterday. Actually, somebody showed it to me and I was amazed. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Alright? But basically, here's a man who stutters. And he is a comedian. Yes, a comedian. Stand-up comedy. Alright? He's standing up and making jokes, alright? And he's stuttering. But imagine, he was only able to do that because he did not feel awkward about his disability. And the people who are with him, who are willing to listen to him also, are not feeling awkward because of his disability. You understand? That he has been allowed to come for this contest and then also go beyond it. And when I saw that, I remembered Musa salam. He used to stutter. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him to be a prophet. Right? And go to Fir'aun. So over here we see that people with disabilities, they should not be excluded. They should be given opportunities also. They should be kept as part of the society. Especially if they're related to you. And so there should be no haraj, meaning they should not feel constriction. And the host also should not feel Uncomfortable. Such people should be included. They should be welcomed and not repelled because of their disability. Now we see over here that the people mentioned in this ayah, who are they? Who are they? The relatives that are mentioned over here, father, mother, sister, brother, uncle, aunt, paternal and maternal, who are they? Your closest relatives, right? And this is a human need to interact with your closest relatives. So over here we are told there is no sin if you sit with them and eat with them, لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ There is no blame on you. أَنْتَأْكُلُوا جَمِيعًا أَوْ أَشْتَاتًا That you eat together or separately. أَشْتَات is a plural of شَتَّى which is a plural of شَتِيت. أَشْتَات is the plural of شَتَّى which is the plural of شَتِيت. And what does that mean? Separately, individually. There is no harm. If all of you sit together, at one table, or in one room, and you eat there, or you sit separately. What does that mean? That each person in their own house, they're eating. Or each individual is eating at his own time. You understand? Because when there are family gatherings, family gatherings, then what happens? People need to sit together and eat. 
Now, we have gone into extremes. Either what we do is we don't have any family gatherings. Why? Because there's too many boys and too many girls. Too many non-mahram issues. So no family gatherings. And because of that, even the uncles and aunts are not sitting together who are brothers and sisters of each other. The whole family doesn't come together because of extreme level of hijab. Alright? Or we've gone to the other extreme. No observation of hijab. Nothing at all. Men, women, everybody sitting together. One next to the other. No proper etiquette is being observed. No. We need to find that balance. Sometimes the gathering is such, it is small. Everybody can sit in one room. Perhaps the women who are, because they're men, men on one side, women on the other side. Or the food is served in one place. Men are sitting in one place. Women are sitting in the other place. Right? So depending on what the house is like or how many people there are, who there are, Allah says there is no harm on you if you sit together and eat or if you eat separately. Now, also this means that لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَن تَأْكُلُوا جَمِيعًا أَوْ أَشْتَاتًا That it's not necessary that the entire family must eat together. You understand? It's not a must that the entire family come together at once and eat. There's no harm if sometimes children eat earlier, parents eat later. There's no harm. However, it should not be a habit. Because when you eat together, you bond with each other also. Right? In a hadith we learned that once some people complained to the Prophet ﷺ that we eat but we don't feel satisfied. And he said that perhaps you eat separately. Eat together and mention the name of Allah and He will bless the food for you. Because when there is a group of people together, then there is also barakah. When you share, then less becomes more. So there is no sin if you do that. Then Allah says, فَإِذَا دَخَلْتُمْ بُيُوتًا When you do enter houses, فَسَلِّمُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ Then greet yourselves. Meaning when you do enter the houses, whether your own or your brothers or your sisters or your grandparents, what do you have to do? Say the salam before you enter. سَلِّمُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ Now, there is a context behind this ayah. We learned that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu he said that when this ayah was revealed, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ That all you who believe do not eat each other's wealth in wrong ways. Meaning, if something is not yours, don't take it. If you didn't buy it, if it's not your property, then don't take it. So what happened? The Muslims said that Allah has forbidden us to eat other people's stuff. So we should not eat other people's food. You understand? So what happened, all of a sudden, people would feel awkward going to you know, their sister's house and eating something from there. So what happened, then this clarification was revealed. That if you go to your sister's house, there's food sitting at the table, there's no harm if you join in. There's no harm if you eat something. Right? Even if you've been given keys to somebody's house, you go in their house to check, they're gone for the weekend. You go inside and check, and there's food on the stove, they forgot it there. Now what do you do? You say, oh, I can't eat it. I have to throw it away, but I can't eat it. No, if it's fine, take it home, eat it. There's no harm. Or eat it there. There is absolutely no harm. You open up the refrigerator to make sure everything is fine and you see there's yogurt and it's going to expire the next day. Can you eat that? Of course you can. Can you take it? Yes, you can. Alright? So remember that when you go to the houses of your relatives, you can eat from there. Sometimes people feel awkward. Oh, my brother's house my sister-in-law will not feel happy. Why? 
or my son's house or my daughter's house, my son-in-law will not feel happy. No, this kind of awkwardness should not be there. Because we have a need to socialize and we have a need to eat. When we sit together, we eat. So eat comfortably. There should be no haraj. Don't feel awkward. But remember that whatever a person does, he should do that in an approved manner. Right? Meaning only take as much as is appropriate. So for example, if you go to your brother's house, you can open up the fridge and see if there's any juice. Okay? But don't take the whole bottle and finish it. Right? Or if you want to have the whole thing, ask him. You understand? Ask him first. Or for instance, you open up the fridge and you see a box of cheesecake. You're like, oh, yum. Let's have it. And you put it at the table, everybody starts eating and you see your brother leaving and he's like, what are you doing? I got this because I was going somewhere. Right? So he was going to take that as a gift somewhere and you ate it up. The whole thing. Or you took a nice piece from it. How was he meant to take that? So do use sense. Alright? Do that which is ma'roof. Do that which is acceptable. Now for example, when it comes to the keys, that you've been given keys to somebody's house. So for instance, if there's a gardener, right, they're working in somebody's orchard, somebody's garden, alright, and there's a fruit tree, or there's a tomato plant, and the tomatoes are ripe. So he wants to taste one tomato. He can taste it, there's no harm. But he shouldn't pick all the ripe tomatoes and take a whole bag full home. Alright? We can eat a little bit, but it doesn't mean that we start doing our groceries over there. And one more thing that is mentioned over here is that when you do go, then what should you say? Salam. Why? Tahiyyatan, it is a greeting. Min'indillah, it is from Allah. This greeting, we have been taught it by who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It started from Allah because Allah taught Adam to say salam. Allah taught Adam to say salam. When Allah created Adam alayhi salam, and Adam alayhi salam, you know, he came to his senses, and Allah told Adam alayhi salam, go to the angels and say salam to them. So Adam alayhi salam went to the angels and he said, Assalamu alaikum. So this greeting started from where? From who? Allah azza wa jal. Tahiyyatan min indillah. And it is mubarakatan, it is blessed, tayyibatan, good. And what are the greetings that we use? The words of greetings that we use sometimes. Many times in fact. Hi. Okay, hi. What does it mean? What does it mean? What's the meaning of hi? Doesn't mean anything. It just means hi. Okay, we also say hello. Hello. What does that mean? I don't know, when I write the word hello, H-E-L-L, and then oh, I don't know. It reminds me of something else. Hey, hey, what? You mean any any word that you use to greet somebody? It can never be as good as assalamu alaikum, because assalamu alaikum. First of all, it's from Allah, and secondly, it is mubaraka. What is mubaraka? With baraka, with blessing, with goodness. And it is tayyiba, it is good, it is clean. Yes. Exactly. It's so meaningful, it's so pure. May peace be on you. May you be safe. God's blessings be on you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. I mean, it depends. You could say wa alaikum, and on you too. 
And other scholars say that there's no harm in saying wa alaykum assalam because as long as a person is alive, we hope that God's safety be on them, His His peace and blessings be on them so that they're rightly guided. Alright? So, فَسَلِّمُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ بِكَسْ تَحِيَّةً مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ مُبَارَكَةً طَيِّبًا كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمُ الْآيَاتِ Thus does Allah clarify to you the verses لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So that you understand. And you see, when it comes to salam, the Prophet ﷺ said that you cannot enter Jannah until you believe and you cannot believe until you love one another. And what is the way of loving each other? Saying salam to each other. Sometimes we're in such a rush that we don't even say salam. Or we don't even look at each other. We don't even look at each other. We don't even acknowledge the presence of somebody. Look away completely, ignore them. You know, it's amazing. We're sitting in a gathering in one room, five people, six people, three people are talking amongst each other. One person has come, it's as though they haven't even been seen. They have said salam, wa alaykum salam, and then just carry on talking as if they don't exist. Is this respectful behavior? But unfortunately, we do this a lot. We have a guest come in, we don't even greet them, we don't even sit with them, we don't even talk to them. Or we go to somebody's house as a guest and we completely ignore them. We're just constantly on our phone or we're doing our own business. This is something that's not okay. When we have asked somebody to give us their time, or we are giving somebody our time, then be there. And it, it begins with salam. Then Allah says, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Indeed the believers... Who are they? They are Alladina Amanu Billahi wa Rasulihi. They are those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. The true believers are only those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. Wa and when Kanu they were Ma'hu with him. With who? With the Messenger. Allah on Amrin Jamirin. Amr a matter, an affair that is Jamir. What is Jamir? It's from Jamr. What does Jamr mean? To collect. So jamir, collective, meaning a matter that is of everybody's concern. It's a collective matter. It's a matter of common interest. It's am, it's general. It concerns everyone. It is important. It's a task in which everyone is required to be present. Everyone's participation is necessary. Their attendance is necessary. You see, there's two kind of things that we do. One is a personal matter, personal business. Alright? Personal thing. So for example, you go somewhere, you go to the library, you go borrow a book, you read it a little bit, and then you go home. Alright? This was what? Your personal business. You came whenever you wanted to, you did what you wanted to, you left whenever you wanted to. This is what? Your own personal business. But then there's some other things which are amr jamir. You're not going there for your own self. You're going there for what? A common cause that is shared between you and other people. You're going for some work that you're going to do as a team, as a group, not just you, but as a team. So when you're working somewhere in a group, what does Allah say? That the true believers are those who lam yadhabu, who do not go away. Hatta until yasta'dhinu, they seek permission from him. From who? From the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They do not leave except after taking permission. This is who? This is the behavior of who? This is the etiquette of who? Who? Alladina amanu. Those people who truly have iman. Which means that if a person leaves without permission, they don't show up, 
or they leave early without permission, then what does it mean? Where is the deficiency? Where is the deficiency? In what? In their iman. Isn't that a problem then? Is that a problem? It is. So if we want to perfect our iman, what is it that we need to fix? What is it that we need to fix? Our commitment. Commitment with what? Teamwork, group work. You know, sometimes it happens that a group of people are assigned a project. What happens? Three people do the project and four people, their name just goes on the project. They haven't really done it. This is khiyana. This is cheating. It's lying. It's betrayal. This is something that does not befit a true believer. A true believer, what does he do? When he is part of some collective effort, he does not go without permission. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ Indeed, those people who يَسْتَأْذِنُونَكَ Who do seek permission from you, and over here primarily the Prophet ﷺ is being addressed, who do seek permission from you before leaving, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ It is those people who يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Who truly believe in Allah and His Messenger. You know, at the battle of Khandaq, what were the Muslims doing before the enemy came? They were busy digging the trench. And the trench was about two kilometers long, deep enough that nobody could dare to go down into it. All right, Wide enough that nobody would dare jump over it. All right, So it had to be pretty wide, pretty deep, pretty long. And the Sahaba were constantly working, digging, digging the trench. It took them about 10 days of non-stop work. And when they were digging the trench, first of all, they had very little food because they didn't have time to go outside of Medina, you know, send some trade caravan somewhere, buy food, get your supplies. No. And even if they had their dates on their trees, they didn't have the time to go and get it. You understand? So overall, people were hungry. They were hungry. And there was a shortage of food from the very beginning. Now what happened that as the Muslims were digging, there was a huge rock that some sahaba were trying to break and they were not able to do it. So they asked the Prophet ﷺ that what should we do? We cannot break this rock. So the Prophet ﷺ, he descended into the trench. He took a hammer or something or an axe or something and he struck it. When he struck it, that entire rock, it just crumbled into sand. But when he lifted his arm up, what happened? His shirt or his upper garment, it was also lifted up. And Jabir radiallahu anhu, he saw the stomach of the Prophet ﷺ, that on his stomach, there were rocks tied to his stomach. Why would anybody tie rocks to their stomach? Have you ever been extremely hungry and you just press your stomach? Why? To control that hunger, right? So the Prophet ﷺ had two rocks tied to his stomach. When Jabir radiallahu anhu saw that, you know what he did? He said to the Prophet ﷺ, May I please go home? He asked permission. May I please go home? I need to do something. He asked permission. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes, you may. So Jabir went home quickly. He asked his wife, Do we have any food? She said, All we've got is just one baby sheep, all right, and a bag of barley or something. And he said, Okay. He quickly slaughtered the sheep, and she cooked the barley. She, she ground it and she turned it into dough and she was going to make bread with it. He cooked the meat and when it was almost ready, he went back and he called the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I have a little bit of food. Please come and eat. And if you'd like, you can bring one or two people with you. And he said it very quietly. Alright, so that nobody would hear. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him, What do you have? And he told him what he had. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, Oh people of the trench, come, let's go eat. 
A thousand people went to Jabir's house. And Jabir before he left, you know what happened? His wife said, do not embarrass me before the Prophet ﷺ, make sure you only call him. So when he came and a thousand people are following him, his wife goes, may Allah do such and such to you. You know, she started like getting angry at him. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he, he asked the wife of Jabir to call her friend. She came, both of them started baking bread. And the Prophet ﷺ, he himself would take a piece of bread, some meat, and he served all the people, all the sahaba. And they all ate. And Jabir said that when they left, the food was exactly as it was before. Exactly as it was before. And the Prophet ﷺ advised the wife of Jabir that people are hungry, feed them. Don't be stingy with food. He wanted that the food should only be for me, but people are hungry, so feed them. Now the reason why I mentioned the story to you is that Jabir anhu had a very noble intention, a very good reason to go, to leave the trench and go somewhere else. Didn't he? But even before he did that, what did he do? He asked the Prophet ﷺ, may I go? He didn't disappear. If he disappeared, would the Prophet ﷺ notice? Perhaps not. Why? There's a thousand people working over there. Maybe he didn't notice. But Jabir anhu, the fact that he asked the Prophet ﷺ, may I go? What does that show? He had iman. This is why Allah says that those people who do take permission, then they are those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. فَإِذَا So when إِسْتَأْذَنُوكَ They do take permission from you. لِبَعْضِ شَأْنِهِمْ For some of their affairs. If they ask permission... May I go there? May I be excused today? May I go for such and such cause? What is the Prophet ﷺ told? Then, then give permission, liman for whoever shi'ta you wish minhum from them. Meaning the Prophet ﷺ as a leader, he was given the choice. If you want, give permission. If you want, do not give permission. Because you see, sometimes we're looking at the situation, you know, just with our own eyes. Right? We feel like, for example, in a group project, Right? One person might feel, oh, you know what, if I'm not there, no big deal, because I've done my part. So it's okay if I don't go. Right? Or I can do it later tonight and send it. But you know what? If the group leader says, no, you have to come still, then we still have to come. Why? Because they're looking at the whole picture. And they know that if you don't show up, how are the rest of the people going to feel? How are they going to feel? That this is unfair, right? They know that if you don't show up right now and you make up your work later on, it's quite possible that you miss out on the details because you weren't there in the meeting. You weren't there. So you missed out on some meetings. You're not going to get 100% out of it. So sometimes what happens is that we're looking at the situation just from our point of view. And the person in charge, they tell us, no, you don't have permission today. And then we get upset. But what is it that the Prophet ﷺ is told? فَأَذَنْ لِمَنْ شِئْتَ مِنْهُمْ It's up to the leader. He decides if he wants to give permission or not. And we have to accept it. It's not a personal battle here. Because أَمْرٍ jamirin, Remember, this is not a matter that benefits one person. Who does it benefit? The whole team. Everybody. So everybody needs to be there. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمُ اللَّهِ And seek forgiveness for them from Allah. When you do give permission to them that they may go, you've allowed them, but you have to seek forgiveness for them. Why seek forgiveness for them? When is it that we need to seek forgiveness? 
When? When a sin has been committed. When a mistake has been made. When we have missed out on a good opportunity. So over here we see the fact that they're not there in that collective effort, in that collective work, the fact that they're missing, even if they're missing for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, if they're not there, they're missing out on something valuable. And when they're missing out on something valuable, then seek forgiveness for them. What does this show? What does it show to us? Hmm? What does it teach us? Avoid leaving. Why? Because leaving is a serious matter. Remember that when a group of people are working together, then Allah's help is with them. When people are working together, united, they're working as a team, Allah's help is with them, His barakah is with them. And as long as they are honest with each other, Allah's help will be there. When even one person becomes dishonest with the team, then what happens? Allah's help is removed. Allah's help is taken away. When even one person is dishonest. When even one person does khiyana. So when one person leaves, then they're affecting the whole team. And you see, when one person leaves, even though they took permission before leaving, the fact is that they're affecting Amr Jamir. The whole work is going to be affected, right? Think about it. In an organization, if the person sitting at the reception, they don't show up, what's going to happen? Even though they took permission. Now the whole day they're gone. Even though they took permission for their leave. But all day the phone is ringing, 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 ringing. Is it not going to affect the business? Is it not going to affect the other employees? It's going to affect everybody. Everybody's work is going to be affected. Because even when one person is missing, then the whole team suffers. The whole team suffers. Each and every individual is important. And also remember that when one person leaves, even though he has taken permission, then is he not setting a trend? Is he not setting a trend? He is setting a trend, right? That okay, I left, I took permission, why don't you go and take permission? You also miss out. You also skip, you also leave, you also leave. Okay, everybody leave. And the whole work is going to collapse. Isn't it going to collapse? It will. So the believers are who? When they're committed to a cause, they are committed to a cause. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's going on. Our commitment is our commitment. And we have to, we must be true to it. Because if we are not true to it, then we're not just harming ourselves. We're actually harming the whole cause. We're actually harming the entire team's effort. I'm just going to give you an example over here. And this is not for the purpose of showing off or anything. It's just an example so that, inshallah, perhaps there should be encouragement for you too. This Friday, I had a class. Friday evening, I had to go to Hamilton for a lecture. Saturday morning, yesterday, I had a class. When I got home, I had some relatives that arrived from the airport, staying at my house. Yesterday evening, I had a lecture in Etobicoke. This morning, again, I have class. When I go from here, again, I have a lecture in the evening. And my relatives are at my house. They're staying with me. Tomorrow morning, sometime they will leave. Tuesday morning, I have a two-hour long class. If I wanted, 
I could have stayed home today. It would have been much easier for me. Because I'm standing here with hardly any sleep. But this is a commitment that I made. And the lectures also, I committed to them before the guests arrived, before their plan was made. It's a commitment I made and I have to be true to it. Because it is not fair to the team. It is not fair to you. It is not fair to the people who have been working on this that they suffer just because of my own personal issue. My guests coming in, that is my personal issue. Isn't it so? But my coming here, that is what? Amr Jamir. And this takes priority over everything else. It takes priority over my sleep. It takes priority over my breakfast. It takes priority over everything else. This is a commitment and we have to be true to it. We have to be true to it. Because if we're not, then we're harming other people. And this is why, وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ You know, everybody needs to think about themselves as students or as group in charges, whoever, whatever we are doing here. Remember, we're not coming here to make money, are we? Are we coming here to make money? Do you get paid for coming here? And if anybody works here even, how much money are they going to make? If you work somewhere else, perhaps if you're working at Tim Hortons on Sunday morning, you'll be making more money. Right? So when we come here, we come here for the book of Allah. We come here so that we can assist one another in understanding the book of Allah. And each and every individual, their coming here is important. And when we skip, when we come in late, or we leave early, or when we just not show up at all, or the morning off we say, I'm sorry, I can't make it. How about this morning I sent a message to the class that, you know what, I can't make it. I need to sleep. Would that be fair to you? No. I mean, of course, there are certain situations in which your circumstances do not allow you. If I'm sick, I cannot come. Right? But if it's something here, something there, a little bit here and there, that's something that we can inshallah manage. You know, when this whole thing came up, this extremely busy weekend, literally I was having like an anxiety attack. I felt like my heart was going to pop out. I don't know if you understand, but when you have guests coming over, that means you have to clean the house, you have to cook, you have to do everything. And I wasn't off this past weekend, and I'm not going to be off this coming week. So I was literally having an anxiety attack. I messaged my mom, like, mom, should I cancel the lectures? Should I do something? And she said, no. No. Because this is something that, I mean, the flyers were made, halls were booked. How could I cancel? Is that fair? It's not fair. She said, don't cancel. I did not cancel. And literally, I was praying salat the other day, and I felt like my heart was going to pop out. I'm like, Ya Allah, you help me. And literally, you know when you were praying, and you put your hand on your chest, and I literally pressed my heart. I'm like, Ya Allah, calm my heart. Calm my fears. Because this is the deen of Allah. This is the kalam of Allah. You have to be just with it. And if it's, these difficulties are coming from Allah. We do our best. Allah will help. He will assist. But we have to try. You know the Sahaba, when they were digging the trench, they were hungry, they were cold, they were exhausted. They were so nervous. Allah says in the Qur'an, when the hearts were reaching up to the throats, they were that nervous. And you know what the Sahaba were saying? They were singing. 
They were singing poetry. And they were saying, Allahumma lawla anta mahtadayna. Oh Allah, if it wasn't for you, we would not have been guided. Wala sallayna, wala tasaddaqna. We would not have prayed, we would not have given in charity. This deen, yes, these hardships are coming upon us because of the deen, but Ya Allah, we love the deen. We don't mind the deen. We don't mind it. We don't mind any hardship that comes with it because it's all part of the package and we love the deen. You know, for example, your baby, you love your baby even though it's so hard to give birth and to look after the baby. But you love your baby to the core because you own it. Deen also, there's some people who own it. The sahaba, they did not complain. They rejoiced. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he would see the condition of the sahaba, cold, tired, weak, hungry, exhausted, he would say, Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah. Faghfir lil-ansari wal-muhajirah. Oh Allah, there is no life except the life in the hereafter, in Jannah. So oh Allah, please forgive the muhajirin and the ansar. Forgive us. They were encouraging each other, motivating one another. And this is something that we need to do. The fact that we come, the fact that we show up, this is a cause of motivation for one another. Isn't it? Because think about it. If 10 people even are missing, what is it going to do to the rest of the group? Aren't they going to feel discouraged? Two people are missing. They're going to feel discouraged. When we stay back from fulfilling our obligations, we are affecting the entire team. The entire team, the entire cause. This is why the believers, Allah says, they take permission before they leave. And if they do leave after permission, the Messenger ﷺ is told, وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ Seek forgiveness for them. Allah from Allah. إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. Just think about it. If this course that you're taking, if this was at a university, would you take it this casually? I'm not saying you do. But the times when we think about skipping class, would we do that at university? No. Those of us who are working over here, if we were working the way we work here, at Tim Hortons even, would we have our job? No, we would be fired. Don't come tomorrow. Isn't it so? If we come one day, we leave two days in the middle, third day we don't show up, and like this, one excuse after, I have guests today, oh I have to do this today, I have to do that today. Sorry, when it comes to your personal life, that stays at home. When you come to work, you come to work. I remember a friend told me that she used to work at this hotel and she was told when she was being given her training that leave your problems at home when you come here. Leave your problems at home. I mean, this is a little harsh, but basically what she was told is that when you're standing at the front desk and people are coming in to make their bookings, don't stress out in front of them. You have to have a smile on your face and you have to be helpful. Yes, you're stressed out, you have problems, but leave them at home. Because Amrin Jamir is now of concern. La taj'alu, do not make dua al-rasul, the dua of the messenger, the call of the messenger. Meaning, when the messenger وسلم, calls you to something, don't make that. Baynakum between yourselves, ka du'a'i ba'dikum ba'da. Like the call of some of you to others. When the messenger calls you, don't treat that as an ordinary person calling you. When an ordinary person calls you, what can you do? Ignore the call? Right? Delay in responding? You can do that, right? But when the messenger calls you, don't behave like that. That call is not ordinary. 
What does it mean? If he calls you, you must respond. Dua over here is also understood as address. Meaning, when you address him, when you call him, meaning when you address him, don't address him the way you address each other. So when we address each other, how do we address each other? We take each other's names. Right? So for example, the Sahaba, they would say, Ya Aba Bakr, Ya Umar, Ya Uthman. But when you're calling the Prophet ﷺ, do not say, Ya Muhammad. Do not say, Ya Aba Al-Qasim. What should you say? Ya Rasulullah wasallam. Observe the etiquette, the adab that must be shown to the leader. Show respect to the Messenger ﷺ when you call him. Also, thirdly, dua over here is understood as dua meaning supplication. The dua that the Prophet ﷺ makes. Because you see at the end of the previous ayah it said, seek forgiveness. So when he seeks forgiveness, when he makes dua for you, don't take it as if an ordinary person is making dua for you. Because his dua is going to be accepted. Remember the Prophet ﷺ at one occasion, he saw a man eating with his left hand. He told him, eat with your right hand. He said, I cannot. And the Prophet ﷺ said, may you never. And that man was never able to take his right hand up to his mouth. He was never able to do that. Likewise, we learned the Prophet ﷺ made dua for Abu anhu, for Ibn Abbas anhu, for their ilm, for their fiqh. And these two people, they're known for their knowledge. They're known for their understanding of the deen. So his du'as are accepted. Don't take them casually. قَدْ يَعْلَمُ اللَّهِ Allah knows. الَّذِينَ Those people who يَتَسَلَّلُونَ مِنْكُمْ Who slip among you. يَتَسَلَّلُونَ سِينْ لَامْ لَامْ Sal is to pull out, to draw out. And تَسَلُّلْ is خُرُوج خَفِيَّةِ To leave secretly. What does تَسَلُّلْ mean? To sneak out. To leave secretly. So Allah knows those people among you who leave secretly liwada taking shelter. Liwada from the root letters lam waw dal. And liwad is basically to take shelter, right? To take each other as a barrier. To take each other as a barrier, to hide behind one another. You understand? So for example, a group of people, 50 people, 100 people, and somebody from the back, what does he do? Just quietly, sneakily, he just goes to the side and slip out. This is liwada. Taking people as a shelter and then yatasallaluna, slip away quietly, secretly, sneak out. What does Allah say? He knows. He sees. Perhaps somebody will never find out. Perhaps they will think you were there for the entire time, but you left early. Allah knows. فَلْيَحْذَرُ so he should be afraid. Who? الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ Those people who oppose his command. Whose command? The command of the messenger, the command of the leader. If the messenger has said everybody has to be at the trench, then everybody has to be at the trench. Nobody can leave. And if someone slips away, someone sneaks out, then Allah knows. And those who oppose the command of the messenger, they should fear. أَن تُصِيبَهُمْ fitna, Lest a fitna should hit them. A trial should strike them. A trial should strike them. What does it mean by this? That when they slip away without permission, they go, they leave their work, without telling, without seeking permission, they go away. It's quite possible that as they step out, a fitna befalls them. A punishment from Allah befalls them. A trial befalls them. You see, this is a matter that is not between us and other people. This is a matter that is between us and Allah Azza wa Jal. Because when we make a commitment with a team for the cause of Allah, we are making a commitment with Allah. The Sahaba at Bayatul Ridwan, 
under the tree when they were giving the bay'ah to the Prophet ﷺ. What happened? Allah said, إِنَّمَا يُبَايِعُونَ اللَّهِ They were actually making the bay'ah with Allah. They were making the promise, the pledge with Allah. Because it was for the cause of Allah. So any small commitment even, which has to do with the deen, remember this is a commitment with Allah, not with the person we're dealing with. So when we are not fulfilling our duty, we are cheating who? We are betraying who? Allah. This is why Allah says they should fear lest a fitna should befall them. أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Or a painful punishment should strike them. You know, once a man, he went to the masjid, he was traveling. And he went to see a sahabi, the adhan was pronounced. And that man said, okay, I'm gonna go. The sahabi said, the Prophet ﷺ has said that when the adhan has been pronounced, you have to stay for salah, don't leave. He said, no, no, I'm going to go. So he went, he disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ, he left. He went... And that sahabi was so afraid for him that something's gonna happen to that man. And it did happen. He heard that that man fell from his camel and broke his leg. Broke his leg. And it can happen. You know, sometimes we leave class early without permission, without notification, we go. And then what happens? We sit in the car and we're stuck in the traffic. Stuck in the traffic, sitting there 15 minutes, half an hour. What was the point of leaving early? A painful punishment from Allah. May Allah protect us. Now what we see here is that the believers, they would never behave like this. It was the munafiqeen who would sneak out, hiding behind people. People who would be sitting in the front, the munafiqeen at the back, what would they do? Hide behind the people and just escape whenever they would get a chance. When a person does this, he thinks he's being so smart. But Allah reveals this foolish act. قَدْ يَعْلَمُ Allah knows. Now what's the main lesson of this ayah? Community collective work. This is a matter that is between us and Allah. And we better take this seriously. And if we don't take this seriously, then there will be consequences. Allah says, Allah, unquestionably, inna lillahi, indeed it is for Allah. What is for Allah? Ma fis samawati wal ard. Whatever that is in the skies and the earth. Anything in the sky, anything in the earth, it belongs to Allah. Because He is the owner, He is the creator, He is the master. قَدْ يَعْلَمُ He knows مَا that which أَنْتُمْ You are عَلَيْهِ on it. He knows what you are upon. Meaning He knows where you stand. Where each and every one of us stands. Because sometimes we keep telling ourselves, no, I'm, I'm very committed. I'm very good. Right? I always do my work. But what do we learn here? Allah knows where our shortcomings are. He knows, so we should fear Him. Instead of making sure that our reputation is perfect in front of other people, we should be concerned about rectifying our reputation before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَدْ يَعْلَمُ مَا أَنْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ وَيَوْمَ يُرْجَعُونَ إِلَيْهِ And the day that they will return to Him, Allah will know at that time also. He knows now what we're doing and He will know then when we will face Him. فَيُنَبِّئُهُمْ Then He will inform them بِمَا عَمِلُوا Of what they did. Allah will inform people of what they did. وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٌ And Allah is knowing of everything. So fear Him and rectify your state because He sees, He knows and He will judge. So each and every one of us needs to analyze Ourselves in the light of this surah of light. You see, it's surah an-nur, right? It's enlightenment. 
that we need to think about the light of our heart, the state of our heart, iman, and then our actions also. And rectify our state, the inner state and the outer state because He knows, He sees what we think, what we feel in our hearts and what we do in our actions. So this is Surah Nur. What is Nur? Light. It's the opposite of darkness. Darkness is internal and external. Light is also internal and external. What is Iman? Iman is light. What is Kufr? Darkness. What is Nifaq? Darkness. What is it that prevents a person from light? Darkness. Nifaq. And what is Nifaq? Why is there hypocrisy? It's because of desires. Desires. That, oh, I feel like having a cup of tea right now. Right? Desires. Uncontrollable desires. That a person is just pursuing them. Like a sarab, he's pursuing them. Or it's ignorance. Unawareness. And we see two examples that were given in the surah. One of sarab and the other of the water. The depths of the water. So what's the solution? Rise above. Rise, get out of that. Get enlightened with knowledge. And then act upon it. Whatever commands Allah has revealed in the surah, they are for amal. But only when a person embraces them in his heart, accepts them in his heart, that رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّهِ Then what will happen? Actions will also change. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enlighten our hearts, enlighten our lives, and keep us away from darknesses. We listen to the recitation. لَيْسَ عَلَى الْأَعْمَى حَرَجٌ وَلَا عَلَى الْأَعْرَجِ حَرَجٌ وَلَا عَلَى الْمَرِيضِ حَرَجٌ وَلَا عَلَى أَنفُسِكُمْ وَلَا عَلَى أَنفُسِكُمْ أَن تَأْكُلُوا مِنْ بُيُوتِكُمْ أَوْ بُيُوتِ آبَائِكُمْ أَوْ أو بيوت أمهاتكم أو بيوت إخوانكم أو بيوت أخواتكم أو بيوت أعمامكم أو بيوت أعمامكم أو بيوت عماتكم أو بيوت أخوالكم أو بيوت خالاتكم أو بيوت خالاتكم أو ما ملكتم مفاتحه أو صديقكم ليس عليكم جناح أن تأكلوا جميعا أو أشتاتا فإذا دخلتم بيوتا فسلموا على أنفسكم تحية من عند الله تحية من عند الله مباركة طيبة كذلك يبين الله لكم الآيات لعلكم تعقلون إنما المؤمنون الذين آمنوا بالله ورسوله وإذا كانوا معه على أمر جامع لم يذهبوا لم يذهبوا حتى يستأذنوه إن الذين يستأذنونك أولئك 